This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. All right, well, hello there, dear listener, and welcome to the Behold podcast. You may have noticed that the last few weeks we've been a little bit on and off with the pod. There's been a lot going on ministry-wise and trip-wise for our various pastors and peoples, and we're excited to get get back into it. This, too, is actually a bit of an off week because many of our staff are on um, a grand adventure, if you will, known as Big Boats, previously known as Houseboats. And now it's just me and the one and only Charlie Ming today. Say hi, Charlie. Summertime, baby. Summertime. It's good to be here. (laughs) Well, speaking of summertime, um, word around the street is that you're minus a couple balls and chains right now. I am. My children are uh, enjoying Granite Bay this week uh, with Sarah's Aunt Vicky. Uh, And so I've got a little peace and quiet, get to get caught up on some things and rest a little bit. It's just very, I mean, parents, you get it, but like to to not have to constantly be thinking about where they are, where they're going next, mm. uh, all that kind of stuff is just a a lovely experience. I miss them terribly, uh, but it is it is beautiful to kind of just get to breathe a bit. Wow! I hope you don't take it for granted. Haha, <laughs> Granite Bay. See what I did there. That was good. Uh, Those of you who have been texting or asking, thanks for asking. Patty and I had a great, great trip to Hawaii two weeks ago with Wendy. And just on that parenthood note, man, like Patty and I have been to Hawaii quite a bit over the years. But this is my favorite trip just because it's so much sweeter seeing your child just learn the things and see the things and just love being there. There's a sweetness to seeing them experience things to kind of get to see it from a first time, you know what I mean, perspective and get to share the things you love with your kids and see them develop that love too. It's just a, it's a fun, fun deal. Yeah. I would be okay if I never did another flight with a toddler again in my whole life, but that's probably not going to happen. You just got to wait a few years. Yeah. But speaking of kids and, and wanting them to experience things that you love, even grandkids, one could say, or great grandkids, Today we're talking about one of those kinds of examples of someone who didn't do that. The grandchild. Mr. Nebuchadnezzar's grandchild. What's Belshazzar. Belshazzar. <laughs> All right. So if you're if you've been out of, of tune with us on Sundays, you haven't listened to the podcast, we've been going through the book of Daniel. And just man, what a chapter after chapter so far. Um, lesson of faithfulness, lesson of God's supremacy, of his sovereignty. And um yeah, just, just an example from Daniel of what steadfastness looks like in the face of opposition, in the face of um, accusations. And so we've gone through Daniel 1, 2, 3, 4. And then this last week, um, Tim Barley here at the Crossing Campus, and then two weeks ago, Nathan Baird went through Daniel chapter 5. And um, this is, so in chapter 4, in case you missed out, this is Nebuchadnezzar losing his mind. What was the term for that? Starts with a B? Oh, don't, why would you ask me that on the on the spot? I you messed it, it up everywhere. It's uh, boanthropy. See you. I know you could Boanthropy. do Boanthropy. Boanthropy, um, which is you, you think you're a beast. Yep. You, you, know? you think you're livestock. Which is a great thing to not do. So, man, great reminder in Daniel 4 of just the, the dangers and woes, you know, of, of picking pride over humility before the Lord. But the but the graciousness of God yeah. to bring about that humility, um, which, which I'm convinced resulted in Nebi's salvation. I think that he came to genuine faith there. So 100%. But 
the story leaves off, right, with Nebuchadnezzar back from the beast lands, and he proclaims, you know, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Which sounds like, great, end of the story. Obviously, you know, his descendants in Babylon will know from him, this is now the the reality of our view of God. And then <laughs> chapter 5, his grandson, Belshazzar, who's in charge, totally not the case. Nope. Right? Just, I mean... Almost, almost uh, worse arrogance than you see because there's a mocking. It's not. It's not just like, hey, no, we have our own gods, you know, and and we're going to go back to them. The the choice he makes to to bring those vessels in, and and he would know that those are the vessels that that belong to the Jews. You know what I mean? That belong to Daniel's people. He would know that, and he would know the story of his granddad and how his, his Nebuchadnezzar came to that point of recognizing Daniel's God as the the one true God. Mm. Um, and so to take those vessels in and basically to mock God, you know, it's just, it's it's ludicrous to me. It's crazy. Yeah, which I think there's a bit of a, a pattern here because, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit, but for next week, for Daniel 6, there's kind of this progression in these chapters of, you know, first someone attacks God, you know, and then now it's almost attacking the peoples of God in a way of just knowing, hey, I know that you believe in this God, and I'm not just going to say that he's not God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mock you, you know, and, yep. and the way that you worship him, the way you're tied to him. And then Daniel 6, then it's a very even more pointed, I'm going to attack you personally. Yeah, yeah, and not, not, not the king at that point, yep. but, but these, these political factions that kind of raise up within uh, the, the new kingdom, the, the, the Mede-Persian empire is kind of taken over in, in 6. Uh, and, and so to see like this, this you know, group kind of coalesced around trying to, to take Daniel out, it's just, it's, yeah. Yeah. Wild. So in Daniel 5, you know, this kind of crazy thing happens. They're, they're partying and they're mocking, like you said, um, God, and just just an abundance of wealth and pride and just everything you can picture in this kind of setting, you know. And then uh, out of nowhere, a hand appears which it's hard to picture that exactly. You Sounds know, like, terrifying. Was it, was it bleeding? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. But. I, d- I don't think it was a severed hand in that sense. <laughs> it's hard to know. You don't know. You, we don't know. Who knows? But anyways, a, a, a hand appears, and I'll just read it. It says, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the hand, and it was writing as it wrote. The king's color changed. Obviously, he's like going pale because there's a hand writing, and he was alarmed and he essentially passed out. His limbs gave way, which again, there's a hand writing on the wall before him. Um, and basically he's freaking out. And he's like, okay, we need someone to figure out what this means, right? Because he's, he's not, it's not clear to him or anyone around him. So he's like, bring me all my wisest people. Bring me the enchanters, all the people who, can, who we got. Someone figure this out for me. And they all fail, right? So who comes to the rescue? Daniel. Wow. Yep. Dang, Daniel. And Daniel is able to boldly, um, a- as we see him do often, just boldly proclaim what it is that God's communicating and, and to really call out Belshazzar, you know what I mean? And, and his, his arrogance and foolishness and, and essentially his demise, right? Yeah. Well, I love that he calls him out because I, I, I always think about what would we do if we were in these situations, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the temptation would be to come in and interpret that if God enabled you to do so 
and then get the heck out of there. <laughs> this is a guy who is mocking God, who is king, who you know has so much power to just destroy you if he wants to. Um, and yet Daniel is bold. And, and what well, I think says, Daniel knows, you know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> well, he doesn't have the power he thinks he has, right? And Daniel's yeah. already, he's already experienced, you know what I mean? The, the deliverance and the care in, in many ways from God. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and he calls him out. He's like yep. Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he understood this. Yep. He lived in humility. He, he saw who God was. And now look at you. You are setting yourself up against God. And then he goes on to interpret that, which basically is foretelling his immediate demise. Yep. It's going to happen that night. <laughs> yep. It, yep. It didn't take long. No. Nah, nah. uh, if you're not familiar, he dies that night. His reign ends real quick. The, the, the Mede-Persian Empire is right at the gates. You know what I mean? And, yep. and they, they take over. Yeah. So this is always interesting going through this, this type of narrative because, um, you know, especially if you're used to going with us through like the epistles kind of stuff, because that's very direct of just here's how you live your life in the new church covenant, you know. But then we go through this and we got to do a little bit more legwork to um, understand what happened at the time, you know, what, what God was communicating through those events and then really what that means for us now. And and we weren't here for Tim's message at the crossing I'm sure it was great because Tim was great. And we tried pulling up the notes, but it's all fill in the blanks. I mean, you don't have the, the fills. Thanks a lot, Tim. So we considered doing like a Mad Lib of it, but we're just going to. Um, we felt that would probably be distracting. Maybe a little bit but, distracting. But I am, I am aware that, you know, Tim Tim brought up the the the, the piece of abortion and, and just talking about how we as, as followers of Jesus need to stand for truth, mm. you know, and, and um, you know, I think that there's a variety of ways depending on the situation that we find ourselves in on how to do that. But I do think, just, just to touch on what Tim uh, covered there, um, I do think that Daniel sets a precedent, so to speak, for us. You know, it's loose precedent, but of, of, of boldness in the face of um, foolishness, boldness in the face of those things that contradict who our God is, what his character is like, um, all, all those kinds of things. So to be, to be willing and ready and equipped um, – to not only like stay the course when it comes to truth, but to, to speak truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Daniel, again, like you said, you know, he, he is in a situation that could be potentially dangerous for him, but he doesn't allow that danger to produce uh, a fear that would drive him away from doing what God would have him do because he knows who God is. It's, it, he is, he relationally knows who God is and, and man, that that is that is huge for us. I think in in terms of application and and understanding um, who we should be and what we should go after. And it's it is relationship with the living God, knowing Him, so that when things come up that violate Him, we are able to to stand boldly for the truth. And just like any other relationship we're in, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You can think about the things that would offend Patty. And and if you're if you're in a group and somebody starts talking about those things that you know offends her, you know what I mean. You're gonna you're gonna stand up for her, right? You're gonna you're or you're gonna say whatever it is. You know what I mean. You're gonna navigate that that circumstance because you know her and you know that she's you know angry or uncomfortable or whatever it might sure. be. And not that God gets uncomfortable with you know the the foolishness in this world, but man, we are His advocates. We are His His ambassadors. You know what I mean. Like we have that that role to stand for truth. So I just appreciated that Tim brought that to such a, a relevant uh, a type of issue that we are definitely facing today. Yeah. And I'm sure Tim talked about the, that balance of 
the difference between standing for truth versus being combative and fighting, yep. you know? And we're going to talk a lot more about that um, next week in Daniel 6 and then the week after that for review and use. But that's the thing that Daniel modeled so well yep. is that it's hard to not draw parallels to today's political climate, you know? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, today you look around and so many people are getting sucked in. And I'm, I'm convinced it's the enemy tempting them to to lose, lose sight of what we're talking about, yep. of – in pursuit of exactly what you're just saying, defending what they know is is a violation of God's God's character, of his promises, all those kinds of things. We we instead of standing for truth and leaving it at that, we're getting we're getting combative. You know, it's like in that example of like the wife and the party, too many of us are becoming the type of husbands or I guess why or whatever this is for you who would just sock the guy in the face rather than yep, yep. standing for truth and just defending them in a, in a way that is still loving, you know? Yeah. I've told this story before, um, but I was on a plane that one time and there was a bunch of rowdy high school, maybe early college age kids that were part of a soccer team. And they were um, just doing disgusting stuff on this plane and doing it loudly, yelling across the plane to other guys that were in different sections and just saying things and, and holding up things, showing things um, that were just wrong. And it was just one of those moments for me where I was like, okay, like there's a lot of people on here that need to be defended right now. And so I stood up and laid into him and was half convinced that I was going to get punched in the face as soon as we landed. But thankfully the the coach for the team came up and he's like, Hey, I heard what you said to the guys. Uh, We were in the back. I didn't know what was going on, but just please understand they're going to they're going to pay for it. And wow. I was like, all right, they're going to be running laps. It's good. Yep, yep. Yep. And, and I think that anyone who is in that situation, who is going to be like a seat nearby you witnessing that, that probably did more to speak for what the character of a follower of Christ looks like than if you had punched one of those kids in the face, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I love, right? Like, and, and it's something that we've hit and we're going to, again, like you said, in, in chapter six, we'll, we'll look at um, different areas of scripture that just talk about what is our attitude in the face of, um, the opposition and the hostility that we face. But I love Romans 12, mm. um, starting in 17. He says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So when, we, when we're faced with evil, what, what do we look to do, right? He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Mm-hmm. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think that's, that is what we see in Daniel. Like in every, in every instance that he goes through where he's faced with that opposition or that persecution or that hostility, and even in, in the midst of you know, being God's people, that have now been brought into exile in Babylon. You know what I mean? He continued yeah. to maintain that that heart of living peaceably, you know, working well with with who he's around. Uh, but when when push came to shove, you know, and, and really it was a consistent resolve in his life, but he continued to stand firm and to speak truth, no matter who his audience was, no matter how powerful his audience might be. You know, and, and I, I think that, man, that is something that, not only should we be able to do, but we should be continually growing in our ability to do. Amen. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes down to um, just perspective, you know, of how we're viewing those moments. Because if we just reduce it down to, hey, someone's attacking Christ, I need to defend him, then we're missing out. 
because mm. I think we need to widen our, our perspective a little bit and also think about the fact that God is using this for his glory, you know? Look at Daniel. You yeah. know, Daniel's not just suffering. Daniel is suffering for the purpose of God's glory. And I think that Daniel understood that, you know? Yep. Which probably so much more empowered him to be able to stand steadfast and, and suffer well, you know, suffer peaceably. Um, this reminds me of, of 1 Peter 4, I think 12-ish, but it's just talking about suffering as Christians, you know, and the topic of persecution, which is really what we're kind of talking about here. I love the, the verbiage because it says, do not be surprised yep. when the fiery trial comes to test you. Don't be surprised. You know this is going to happen. But then I love, let me just pull it up. Um, it's talking about why, why we can rejoice in those moments. You know, again, the perspective of it um, in verse 13. Yeah. So do not be surprised when the fiery trial comes as though something strange has happened to you. Like, don't act like this is strange. You know this is coming. But rejoice because you share Christ's sufferings. So rejoice as you share in his sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Yep. That's that's the perspective. We can we can not sock the guy in the face. We can stand firm and and defend truth, but we can suffer well because we know that that Christ's glory is being revealed as we do that. Yeah, and even if that guy socks us in the face, yeah, we can still continue to suffer well. And Which what happens, had happened right? before, right? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have been punched in the face for it. But it's it's uh, man, it's such a clear a clear thing, though. I think I don't know. It, G- Jesus tells his disciples, right? Like if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Yep. You know, we see even in, in the Sermon on the Mount early on, you know, in Matthew, he says, you know, blessed are you when others revile you and, and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. Um, for, for so they did the prophets before you. It, that is a common thing throughout scripture mm-hmm. for the people of God to experience, that you're going to come into those those situations with where you're going to face hostility, where you're going to face, you know, people mock, blatantly mocking God. And, and sometimes blatantly mocking you as well because of your service to God and, and just being ready to say, this is who he is. You know what I mean? And, and come what may, like whatever you can do to me, like it doesn't matter. And like Jesus says, Matthew five, you know, blessed are you when these things happen because great is your reward in heaven. Right. Uh It goes back to that same thing in first Peter, first Peter four, first Peter four of, of just what, what we're going to experience when we stand in his presence, man, we should be grateful for, for those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way that that, that passage ends because it feels kind of like like a no-brainer type of thing. Mm-hmm. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, you know that this is God's underneath his sovereignty, underneath his domain. It's his will right now. Yep. So let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Yeah. Period. How how great is that? I'm just this is just striking me right now. But like, you know, the promise to Abraham and then to Isaac and and really throughout God's unfolding of what of how He's going to redeem humanity. But that promise that through um, your seed, you know, through through this lineage, all nations will be blessed. Mm. But when you see even before Jesus, how nations are blessed, you see Daniel blessing Babylon, right? Yeah. You, blessing Nebuchadnezzar specifically. Um, but it's, it's in that context of suffering, like nine times out of 10, that blessing that's being given, it's in the context of suffering. And then obviously, and ultimately in the, in the face of Jesus, you know what I mean? The full fulfillment of that promise. Um, he was a blessing to all nations because of his suffering. Yeah. So it should not surprise us when the trial comes. 
And, w- and we've got to be ready for that. I think we've got to continue to look at guys like Daniel or, or, or people even in our own lives who have walked those kinds of seasons well to say, I want to have that kind of resolve in my life. So whether or not it ever does come, I'm still living with that kind of, that kind of heart. Yeah. Which, which that reminds me of just, you know, I, we don't know this, but I, my guess would be that Daniel in, in all of the times between these slices of his life we're mm-hmm. seeing, how do you spend that time? I'm guessing he spent a lot of time praying yep. as evidence as his habits. He's probably spent a lot of time studying, you know, the word. He probably spent a lot of time preparing for these things. Yep. You know, and, and as Christians, it's like sometimes we feel like um something hard happens and then we have to go into the emergency mode and triage mode and like, oh man, I gotta do my my quiet time. I gotta pray for the Lord to help me, you know, I gotta get friends to pray for me. And and of course, maybe that's a good those are all good yep. things. Important stuff, but but <laughs> If you're not praying before those moments, then you're missing out. You know, the analogy I always say for this kind of stuff is like, when's the best time to learn how to swim? Yep. You know, before you're in the water, not when you're in the water. Yep. And that's how we treat it sometimes. It's like we get in a hard thing and then we're Googling, God, give me a scripture or Google, give me a scripture about marriage troubles or whatever it is, you know, yep. whereas we have this potential to be as we're abiding and beholding daily, preparing our hearts and minds for, like you said, what we know is going to come. So that way, when it does come, we're not acting like we're called out on as though something strange has happened. Yep. But no, you know that if you're if you're called to life with Christ, then you're also called to suffering with Christ, which is a beautiful thing because his glory is being revealed. Well, and just to have that encouragement, right? It's an incremental thing. Like to take your your analogy of the swimming, and let's just say like it's skiing, right? Or snowboarding. Yep. You've never been in the snow in your life and you're dropped on, what are they called? Black diamond? Isn't that the, yeah. that's the tip top, right? Like it's not, it's not going to go well. You know what I mean? But if you incrementally are learning and and developing the skill and developing the ability, then you, you work up to that point where if you are dropped on the black diamond, you're, you're equipped to do it. And so to not be discouraged if you're not in that place or you don't see those disciplines in your life, but to say, I want to, to grow towards that. It was really cool this morning. Um, or Wednesday morning, we, we had, uh, Reveille here at the crossing and Ben Foster and Phil Barnett shared. And it was just really cool to hear from them, you know what I mean, that, that mentality of just that steady development, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and, and how the Lord honors just a steady growth, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're not trying to run the sprint, we're trying to run the marathon. And so, yeah, be, be encouraged by that, that, that God is going to continue to, to develop you as you do these things, as you as you step into those disciplines um, of of study and praying and fasting and and solitude or whatever else, you know what I mean? It's- yeah. Which which to bring it back a little bit, when Nathan taught this section of Daniel five at the Altamont, that was kind of his big takeaway. Is like as we look to Belshazzar, kind of the big lesson for Nathan as he pulled it out was he had an inheritance hmm. or a potential inheritance, and he squandered it. He wasted it. Yep. And we have an inheritance, you know, as, as new covenant people, we, we have an inheritance. And even though we can't get rid of our salvation, we absolutely can miss out on, on qualities of life that, that God intends for us as in his design as part of new covenant life. Right. And so that was Nathan's encouragement was, man, don't squander this. Like you said, it it doesn't have to be this all in, you're this prayer warrior every day, immediately kind of thing, but just participate in in beholding Christ and in, in abiding with him daily 
and let God do his work to prepare you for all these kinds of things that you know are going to come. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And invite, invite folks into your life who can help mentor you and, and train you and, um, guide you in those seasons. You know what I mean? Look for those, you know, broader types of things where you're like, Hey, you know, set goals. You know, here's where I want to be in 10 years. I, I look around, like I, I've done this in my life. I, I probably need to do it again, but is to identify, you know, here's a guy who's 10 years ahead of me in, in life. I want to be like him when I'm his age. And so I want to like develop that, that relationship so that there can be that truth spoken to me so I can move towards that and then ask him, what did you do? You know what I mean? And yeah. start developing those same kinds of things. And don't, don't just think it's all going to passively happen. Like God calls us to be active in this process. So yeah, I love that, which, you know, now that we're talking about just some application takeaway, it sounds like a no brainer. And I'm sure it sounds like many other takeaways you've given. Mm. I was having a conversation with somebody, that's my phone, no big deal. <laughs> I was in a conversation with somebody recently um, and they're, they had a mild constructive criticism about some of our teaching on Sundays. And more or less what they said was, it's just so Christian every Sunday. You guys like say the same kind of stuff, you know, it's so Christian. You just, you get the same kind of takeaway, same kind of, and it's like, okay, I hear what you mean by that, but of course we do. It's a no brainer. Yep. We, yep. we are, we are living new covenant life. And what that means is that we got, we're a one answer crew most of the time. Yep. Follow Jesus Christ and yes. the rest will fall into place. You know, yes. love, love people, love God. And yet it's a common church motive. Be faithful to those things. Stand on truth. I'll add that third one because a lot of churches miss out on that. Love God. Love people. Stand on his firm truth. And all these other things are going to fall into place, right? Yep. Yeah. And and fall into place might not look the way you think it might look. But what it does mean is that you're going you're gonna to live a life that is um, it's confident and bold and it's used for the the kingdom's expansion and establishment. And And like we say, there's nothing better than that. So, Amen. I feel like that's a pretty good place to park this plane. I love it. Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, if you're listening uh, today, which is Wednesday, then we'd love to have you join us tomorrow at Extol, which is kind of fitting, actually. We're going to be talking about just developing a heart that is more Christ-like, mm-hmm. you know, in our service, in our um, use of our gifts to, to serve him and all those kinds of things, which is a great way to respond to this as well. So I hope to see you all there at 7 o'clock for Extol to pray and worship. And other than that, we'll see you all Sunday. And then next week for Behold. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.